Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Groundswell Podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be here with Dr. Elvis Maleka, who is the Vice President of Labs and Data Science here at Groundswell. Dr. Elvis, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you so much, Nora, for having me. Well, I'm really excited to hear about your background and um, what got you into the clean energy field and your journey to Groundswell. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Wonderful. So uh, in terms of my background, uh, I will start by saying that it's an honor to be serving as Groundswell's Vice President of Labs and Data Science. Uh, before joining Groundswell, I work as a quantitative analyst doing various model validation, internal audit, model development goals with uh, some of the top tier US banks, including the big four accounting firms. It was during this period that uh, I co-founded Lika Research uh, uh, Institute. Prior to that, I had an illustrious career in academia where I taught for several years, more than 15 years, um, just encouraging students uh, in the field of uh, scholarship of learning and research. So I taught different disciplines from economics, macroeconomics, statistics, and, uh, and econometrics. Uh, but more importantly, uh, in 2014, I led a research project as uh, the lead econometrician on a project involving climate change. And so we wanted to find out how climate change variables affect various income groups. So uh, we had five categories of classification of income, and uh, the model itself included various variables, indicators such as cooling degree days, heating degree days, in addition to some macroeconomic variables. Uh, what we found from that result using panel data analysis was that climate change uh, severely affected you know, uh, low-income householders more than those with uh, higher income. And to your question about what brought me to Groundswell, uh, I saw Groundswell as a place to build on that research from 2014. And I want to start by thanking the leadership, Michelle and DA for embracing data science and research into the work that we, we all do. Um, I want to say I, Groundswell is at the epicenter of innovation and market transformation whether that involves you know, uh, clean energy programs, resiliency or energy burning and what we all do collectively. Uh, but coming from a multicultural background, uh, I appreciate the diversity uh, in our team. And I want to thank Crystal and her team for also leading uh, that charge because diversity fosters a collaborative work environment and we see that reflected, reflected not only in our work but also in our in our value. But more importantly, as uh, Michelle Moore always says, that uh, we want to serve our neighbors as you know as we we, we serve ourselves. So uh, I was really privileged, you know, to have received scholarship, you know, to do my master's degree in England and my PhD degree in uh, in England as well. So I see this as an opportunity. Uh, to give back to community. So everything that I do, I do it with my whole heart, you know, uh, as a way of giving back and as a way of saying thank you to the people that trusted me and also invested in me. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your journey as to how you got here. I think it's really interesting with your background in economics and how that brought you into the environmental movement because it's so intertwined. And I think just speaking on that recently, your LIFT, which stands for Low Income Financing and Transactions for Solar Access Everywhere, 
research was published by Springer Nature, which is amazing. So congratulations on that piece. But I just wanted to hear what were your biggest takeaways from your research doing Lyft? Wonderful. So uh, thank you for that. So I will share six takeaways. Uh, I want to start by saying that the paper has drawn a lot of attention. So the first takeaway is that everyone talks about market transformation, but uh, we cannot see market transformation without innovation. And whether that is innovation in new tools like the Lyft Toolkit or innovation and creativity in ideas. So the first takeaway is that innovative tools like the Lyft Toolkit are really crucial for the rapid deployment of uh, clean energy programs across socially and economically disadvantaged communities where developers can leverage the financial best practices and other key insights from, uh, from the LEAF uh, toolkit. So uh, originally, the LEAF research started based on the fact that uh, we wanted to see you know, a, uh, an expansion of community solar projects across uh, the, uh, the United States, especially programs that are targeted or geared towards seven LMI household. The second major takeaway from uh, that particular research is that it kind of showcased some of the root causes of energy uh, energy burning. And so uh, if you look at the diagram that I illustrated there, where, uh, where I pointed four major categories, energy burning emanating from policies and regulations, uh, the lack of uh, utility incentive design structure, uh, structural issues, you know, including inefficiency, as well as some, to some extent, household, because this is all about uh, a bureau uh, model. Uh, the the third major takeaway is uh, scalability is what we all strive for. We talk about replicability and scalability and expansion of clean energy programs. But the really issue that we have to target first is the lack of distribution. So equitable distribution is really a concern, especially for programs that serve within my household. So uh, the goal of the toolkit is not just to encourage the development and expansion of clean energy programs, but also to encourage developers to pass on some of those meaningful benefits, either through higher bill savings to, uh, to uh, subscribers of community solar programs. Uh, the fourth takeaway is to be able to narrow the gap and the discrepancy that exists in, in our industry. So uh, I illustrated the fact that uh, there are a lot of invest, investor-owned uh, utilities compared to municipal-owned utilities or electric uh, cooperatives, but we cannot successfully have uh, an equitable and an inclusive just energy transition without the need of recognizing what municipal utilities as well as rural cooperatives do. So it is really important. And speaking about just energy transition, it's not just about fairness, or uh, it's not just about distribution, but it is really important to, uh, to engage customers at the start of their sustainability journey. And that's kind of the bedrock of uh, energy uh, equity. And lastly, uh, I wanted to drive home the idea about enabling legislation because we see the relationship between enabling legislation and higher custom uh, bill savings. You know, uh, so those are kind of like these major highlights. And so I encourage everyone to visit uh, the Lyft uh, toolkit. Go to Lyft 
uh, the password of all for the most recent version of, uh, of the toolkit. Thank you so much, Elvis. Those were great takeaways. And there's even more if you do want to go check it out. Um, the Lyft Toolkit is very, very interactive. And I think one of my favorite pieces is that it encourages people to share as well. So I think it's like kind of a living database because people can update it with their experiences. And then I think that really plays into the, the scalability component and replicability that you talked about. So super exciting. And you know, speaking on that, through through labs and data science, Groundswell is establishing itself as a thought leader in the in data science and research analytics. So how do you see labs and research development driving market transformation and raising awareness? Uh, that's a terrific question. Thank you again for, uh, for asking that question. Uh, I want to start by just highlighting or defining what market transformation is. Uh, a lot of the times I know we see market transformation in the aspect of creating new opportunities or scaling new business projects. This is, these are great ideas. But uh, I think the premise of market uh, transformation is also to incorporate the experiences of, uh, of the people. And this is what Groundswell does that makes us to stand you know, uh, out of the crowd, you know, because uh, we, we, we care about our communities. You know, we treat them with respect. We value their opinions, you know, we work collaboratively with uh, grassroots organizations and community-based organizations, and we deliver with integrity. And so, uh, based on our values and the work that we do, uh, I think LAB is kind of transforming the industry in the research that we do, very innovative, and just driving top leadership in, uh, in the industry. I think this year we had a lot of success presenting, you know, as an organization, not just labs, you know, our colleagues uh, from uh, SMS, Michelle Moore as well, Coach Dave and his team, you know. Uh, so we've done a lot of tremendous work this year to be able to showcase who we truly are through uh, conference presentations. And in a way, uh, we're kind of advocating for some of these policy changes and legislation. Uh, I remember our research on um, energy burden and reality analysis in uh, North Carolina and how that, you know, gave us kind of the momentum to think about how we transform rural communities, you know, so not just transforming uh, rural communities in the sense of, you know, economic workforce, but also to be able to increase solar uh, adoption. And so I'm really excited for even what we will uh, we'll accomplish next year. Definitely, there are some exciting things in our future and a lot of great milestones and accomplishments this year. Um, I think a lot of people, when they look at solar projects, they might not realize how much research goes into it and how much data science plays a role. So I know in a lot of our projects, um, projects such as the Lyft Toolkit and just case studies have helped kind of shape the approach that we take into you know, sustainable and equitable development. So if you could speak to how research and labs play a role in developing successful clean energy projects, that would be great. I want to start by picking our value about being transformative, you know, so, uh, and transformation goes with innovation and creativity, you know, so advanced work, our primary focus is to be able to create meaningful benefits and changing the narratives about, you know, solar, you know, community solar and the work that we all do. And so there's always a thoughtful approach in the work that we do. And that involves a lot of decision making and also being very strategic in, uh, in our approach. 
So uh, there are three main things that uh, are involved in this process in labs. Uh, the first is to be able to uh, incorporate decision science and a data-driven approach. You know, so again, I'm really thankful. You know, when I got to Groundswell three years ago, uh, Michelle made it very clear to us that uh, um, data science is a core fa uh, uh, factor of what we do in the organization. So we don't just make decisions, but we ensure that those decisions are data-driven. They are not only data-driven secondly, but they are also evidence-based. And this is where the practicality and the experiences of us successfully developing projects across the board comes into play, whether that is in Maryland or in Illinois or in DC. And you know, the success not just delivering projects, but also managing uh, uh, customer accounts. And so uh, these data-driven ideas, you know, based on uh, action-oriented uh, approaches kind of uh, bring in new insights into the work that we do to be able to uncover new solutions. So I think uh, that is really the basis uh, on which LAPS is uh, kind of operating right now. Uh, but more importantly, making sure that uh, LAPS is not just a standalone uh, uh, work. I'm so glad that now it has become a shared service. So that implies that you know, being able to streamline and see the connections within the various uh, uh, sub-units or units of the organization. Definitely. And, you know, it is good that I think Labs is a shared service now because it, it plays a part in so much of what we do. I know on my side, on the communication side, having the research to kind of influence my language and how we're sharing our story and that it's data driven, data backed up, as you would say, um, it's great. I think it just really, you know, makes our message even that much stronger. Um, I want to go back to before when you were speaking about meaningful benefit. And I think one of the most meaningful things in what we do and a large value is centering the community, um, prioritizing the needs of the community first. So um, in terms of your research, how does community-centered research lead to localized and replicable solutions? Uh, that's a very great question, and I think it's something that we'll continue to research on, on, on that particular uh, topic. Uh, I want to start by saying that uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, everyone talks about scalability and replicability. These are really good, you know, which implies that successful programs can be replicable to other communities based on the same uh, factors or characteristics. But we cannot talk about replicability without ensuring that you know, solutions are localized. And what does that imply? The first thing is that decisions about communities must involve uh, community members and leaders. And that's why you know, we were very successful with uh, the, the whole show, you know, making sure that community leaders are involved in these decisions. You know? So uh, by localizing solutions, in that case, we are addressing root causes and we're ensuring that you know, the approach that we take kind of meets the needs of this community. So it's first of all, think about you know, uh, doing an assessment. What is the need? What are the needs of these communities? And bringing, uh, localizing the solution, addressing specific good causes and needs. I think that is really important. So, um, so we need a community center approach really that kind of prioritizes the needs of local communities. And a very good example, another example is uh, the SOAP program. Uh, I know Nicole 
and Leon are doing an amazing job in that, you know, energy efficiency. I remember when the program started, you know, so it's such a joy to see the growth of the program. And as a result, uh, we wouldn't be surprised if Seoul is replicated to different communities because we have been able to uh, bring in innovations and ideas to be able to localize the solution. So for me, this is kind of the bedrock on which, you know, we can talk about scalability, not just in terms of expanding programs, but those, that those programs, do they actually meet the needs of uh, the local community? So I'm excited and I'm very curious to know what research projects and focus areas you will be researching in the future. Um, yeah, this is this gets me very excited as well. So uh, uh, I'll continue with energy burden. I think uh, energy burden is a metric that cut across so many energy inclusive measures. Uh, but one of the things that you know we started uh, in 2023 was uh, the energy equity. You know, and I think this is really important because how we define energy equity, how we measure energy equity. Is, is really important because it helps not only in program designs but also in implementation and evaluation. So um, we've been fortunate, you know, had some contact with uh, academic researchers to be able to partner together, you know, to look at uh, the relationship between equity and interconnection. Um, another thing that is really important that uh, I want to be able to do in the future years is to look at the relationship between uh, climate change and policies, uh, whether that is about decarbonization, uh, um, environmental, uh, economic and social vulnerabilities. You know, but I think climate change is real. Uh, back in the days when people talk about climate change, everyone thought, some people felt like, you know, this was a joke. But now we're seeing the impact of climate change, especially uh, in, in the Southeast region of uh, the country, you know, where we have a lot of high energy burden as a result of these high cooling degrees and heating degrees days. So we know that climate change is real. You know, uh, future research will also uh, involve you know energy storage and battery technologies. Uh, resiliency is also something worth uh, investigating. But more importantly, uh, uh, there's a bioavailable science. So. Uh, whether that is about a soul program or working collaboratively with uh, an SMS team uh, to be able to do behavioral analysis of, uh, of subscribers or uh, regarding household energy consumption, I think it's really important because I am a big advocate of a utility design uh, framework and so that will go a long way in uh, developing new models or theories or ideas that will kind of shape that particular uh, uh, research or decision within uh, industry. Definitely. I'm, I'm really excited to see the next research projects that come out. Um, I think, like you said with your point, climate change is very real. And um, I think as time goes on, the effects are going to be even more evident. And I think um, research and data science is going to play a large role in just like community-based solutions, especially the frontline communities that are feeling the effects first of climate change. And a large part of research and data science is being an innovator, being ahead of the curve. So it's predicting these things before they happen and trying to figure out a solution that's going to help the community. So I'm very, I'm very excited to see the future of the labs and data science um, program here. So in your experience so far with Groundswell, 
has anything specifically stuck out to you? And I'm sure probably a lot of things. And um, what are your biggest learning lessons or more meaningful experiences in your time here? Um, I, that's, that's, I, can, I can go on speaking about Kansuer for uh, maybe the next two hours. So, but <laughs> I'll keep it short. So I would say as an organization, there's just a lot of collaboration and support for one another. And um, that is kind of a driving force, you know. Uh, what makes me to decide or to see success is not when the work has been done. But prior to the work being done, I can tell if we'll be successful if we collaborate together. So uh, we've done some really great work, you know, as an organization. Everyone, whether you've been at Council for one day or 20 years, you know, I think collectively that's how uh we approach our work uh secondly there is a sense of belonging uh the culture of the organization is superb and i want to say this from uh, some of the research that i did you know in 20, 20, 2014 about uh hr you know a lot of the time people think it is a responsibility of hr to design the culture of an organization and i want to contradict that HR has a role to play. It is the responsibility of the senior leadership to design the culture of an organization and HR now implements that culture. And so I really want to thank Michelle and DA, you know, for spearheading that and Crystal and her team as well for incorporating those strategies and making sure that council is a place where everyone feels uh, uh, valued you know, uh, it's a place where everyone feels respected, you know, and everyone feels loved, you know. So uh, to me, uh, it's truly a humbling experience to be working for this particular organization. Being here um, a little over two years now at this point, seeing how much we've grown in that short time and seeing that, you know, even as new people come, the culture remains the same. And shout out to Crystal and all of our recruitment team for just continuing to find amazing people to add to the team. So shifting gears here, what do you feel are the biggest challenges you have faced in research and data science? Uh, great question. So I have just three responses, you know, for, uh, one is an advice for anyone coming into the industry. Uh, data science is, uh, is meant to be, uh, I would say, a difficult role, you know, so uh, the work can get really difficult, uh, but we, you need to be very uh, resilient, you know, and persist, see things right through to the end, you know. Uh, another issue is uh, just the non-standardization, and this is one of the things that, you know, industry-wide, we're getting there, but, you know, so for example, I'll give you an example, you know, uh, bill savings, you know, a lot of the time, the industry as a whole, there's no threshold, you know, some people talk of 20%, you know, some people talk of 30%, so, because, and I get it, you know, uh, this is partly because, you know, the industry is very dynamic and it's evolving, you know, and so uh, with time, we'll begin to see some standardized measures and with the research now being done in the industry, I think that's going to go a long way. Um, the third challenge is just data disaggregation. <laughs> so uh, I would say this is not just like uh, your typical macroeconomic data. Where you look at inflation and prices, unemployment, you can have historical data sets, you know. So 
uh, we, within our industry, uh, you really need to pay attention to the data. Uh, and this is really important because if you get it wrong, then your results may not be uh, reliable. So there's, this data disaggregation is something that is expected, you know, but uh, sometimes you have to create new data sets, you know. So there's a lot of QAQC in the data uh, that we, we use to be able to make informed decisions. But I would say uh, these challenges are expected, you know, and so it's not surprising to me. You know, on that same piece, what excites you when looking ahead to future clean energy projects and expansion? Uh, yeah, I, I want to say there are a lot of excitement. Uh, 2024 is going to be a great year for us as an organization and for the industry in particular. The way we are going and the way we are approaching our work, you know, so some of the innovations we're going to see, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, uh, we continue to shape our industry, especially the direct pay provision. With the Inflation Reduction Act, I think uh, community development finance institutions and uh, climate finance in particular is going to be a really key uh, aspect. How we change the narratives as well is also one of the things that I'm really, really excited, you know, because we want to be able to change the narratives. Change the narratives does not mean that, you know, We'll do something that is differently, but in terms of impact, and uh, that is where we we're really strong at. You know, we are all geared and focused towards you know improving the lives of people. You know, creating impact. You know, even in our webinars, you've heard me say, say that so many times. Like, I don't just want us to do it the way it's done, but I want us to be able to ensure that our audience live with the feeling that they have learned something else. So uh, I'm really excited, and I'm, but I'm also grateful for. Uh, 2023, it's been an amazing year and uh, looking forward, you know, with all excitement to, uh, to the amazing things that we'll be able to do for 2024. Definitely. Super excited um, for all the great things to come. I want to thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. And I just want to plug in one more time. Please, if you have a chance, go and check out the labs page on our homepage, because I know we spoke about Lyft, but there are so many other research projects that um, Dr. Elvis has worked super hard on and some really interesting and innovative stuff and some great resources, as well as lyft.groundswell.org to just check those out. So I want to thank you again so much for participating participating and just taking some time to share your knowledge with me and whoever else is listening. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure, though. I appreciate it. Thank you.